Hello, good afternoon. Yeah, come on. <laughs> okay, so I'm Diane Lewis. I'm the Chief Programming Officer and Executive Vice President of the Paley Center. And it's my great pleasure to welcome you to today's event celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX in partnership with ESPN. And a big thank you to ESPN. For more than five decades, the Paley Center has dedicated itself to preserving media's best and exploring media's power to break barriers and shatter stereotypes. Tonight, actually, this, this afternoon is not tonight yet, right? <laughs> Today we get to experience firsthand how media educates and inspires us as we have a special recording of the podcast Laughter Permitted with Julie Foudy. With two World Cups, two Olympic gold medals, and an induction into the National Soccer Hall of Fame, Julie Foudy is one of women's soccer's most renowned heroes, and one of my personal as well. And even after her retirement from professional soccer, she continues to extend her legacy, both as an ESPN sports commentator and a fierce champion for female athletes. Julie and her producer, Lynn Alzoe, will be joined in conversation by two trailblazers in their own sports, Phaedra Knight and Angela Ruggiero. So let's get started. I'm so pleased to welcome all of you to this special recording of Laughter Permitted with Julie Foudy. Let's go! <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Come on, Lynn. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, it works. How are we doing? We're good? Yeah. Thank you for coming out. Yeah, we're super psyched to be here live in New York City. I've always wanted to say that. Hey, what's happening in New York City? No. Julie, dreams do come true. Dream, dreams come true. Um, and uh, happy 50th anniversary of Title IX. It was, uh, it was a, a bit of a, a, a gut punch, I think, today. Uh, we had this you know, great anniversary of Title IX, and then all of a sudden today we got the news, as we all know, um, with, the, uh, with Roe v. Wade being overturned. And so what it says to me, and I think to a lot of us, is that there's still work to be done, as we know. Uh, we will talk about that, of course, today, uh, some. But we are going to focus on Title IX and what it is, uh, which is why, really, we're here at the Paley Center. So Title IX is a civil rights law that was passed on June 23, 1972, and it's literally 37 words. And here are those words. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. And those 37 words change the landscape for women here in the United States. Yeah. And, and, the, and the crazy thing about that is there's, there's not even the word sports in those 37 words, as we know. It was an educational amendment. In the fine print, sports were, of course, part of it because of it was any institution that received federal funds. So elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, going, of course, into colleges and university. And 
The funny thing about that is, is when you hear when you hear from Senator Birch Bayh, who's considered the, God, the the grandfather of Title IX, he will say on purpose we put it in like a .8 font so they wouldn't see it uh, because we knew that it would create a stir if they knew what we were actually doing. And so now, 50 years later, we get to celebrate a lot. Um, should we bring up our awesome guests? Let's do it. Let's do this, shall we? Okay. So since we don't have our normal intro for the podcast, we're going to give a long intro introduction for Angela and Phaedra because they are that awesome. Angela is a four-time Olympian in ice hockey, a Harvard women's hockey legend who was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2015. She won Olympic gold in the 1998 Olympics, which was the actual first ever Olympics for women's ice hockey. She also won a national title in 1999 while at Harvard University, where she was a four-time All-American there. Angela is also the all-time leader in games played for Team USA, male or female, with over 250 games. And she now, in her post-playing days, is the CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab, a market research firm empowering industry-leading sports brands to identify trends. And we're gonna talk about this a little bit with women's sports in particular uh, and what drives the future of sports. Phaedra Knight is also a Hall of Famer. She was inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame in 2017. She was a member of the USA Women's Rugby National Team for 18 years. She played in three World Cups, and in 2010, she was named the USA Rugby Player of the Decade. She currently holds a world record in scoring in rugby, and which I don't know what the number of that is. We got to ask her what that is. Uh, and is the owner of her own fashion line called PSK Collective. She has a law degree as well. She's done a lot from the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> Um, she's also an analyst for NBC doing rugby, ESPN, and Flow Rugby. She serves as the USA Rugby Board of Directors. She serves on their board and the Board of Trustees for the Women Sports Foundation. So get comfortable listening. It's Angela and Phaedra. Get them out here. Come on. Come on, rock stars. You couldn't hear all the awesomeness we were sharing. Woo! Okay, you couldn't hear all the awesomeness we just brought forward on you two? I heard the energy. Yeah? <laughs> Did you? It was good though. Jules. Yes. This is a very special moment for many reasons, one of which is that we have not one, not two, but three past presidents of the Women's Sports Foundation on the stage here. That was the one nugget I left out. Women's Sports Foundation, yes! Founded by Billie Jean King, the great Billie Jean King. Um, I know, and thank you guys. I know that you guys are busy, so I appreciate you doing this. I really do. Angela came down on the train from Boston. Phaedra lives here uh, in the city. Uh, we were just talking about the emotion of the last two days. Happy anniversary, 50th anniversary, and then, of course, uh, the news that came down today. Uh, but sticking to Title IX for the moment, when and I, I've been doing a lot of reflecting, which I'm sure you two have been doing, and being asked a lot of questions about Title IX and what it's meant to us. What has been the overriding emotion or the thing that maybe even surprised you the most when you think about 
the 50th anniversary in the history of all that's occurred with Title IX. Both of you, Phaedra, you start. The first word that came to mind was rugged. Oh. It's, it's I feel like Title IX has endured so much. Yeah. I mean, talk about, uh, you know, characterizing it as resilient, rugged. It's just, it's been through so much scrutiny. Um, it's been through the ringer and it's still standing. Um, and so, and we're fi like 50 years, you know, we're at 50 years and in spite of, you know, some of the things such as today's news, um, still continues to press forward and people are, you know, still fighting the battle. The Women's Force Foundation still fighting the battle. Um, other organizations are out there on the front lines continuing to push the envelope and, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's there, it's gonna continue to be there and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna rejoice in, in one day accomplishing all the things we want to with it. So I, I rugged is, is my Rugged. Word. Rugged. It's kind of like you. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Ange, what, what about you? What's your overriding emotion? Well, in spite of today, <laughs> I would say hopeful because it's, yes, it's been 50 years and so much has been done, but there's so much more to be done. And I think about, I was, I was thinking about where, where's the law going to be in 50 years, like 50 years from, from now. Um, and all the changes that it's made in five decades, I'm like, okay, 2072, what does that look like? And I'm super hopeful because I think if the younger generation really understands what it is and how important it's been to get us men and women, boys and girls to a point of equality, I hope in 50 years, I'm hopeful that we don't need it to an extent. Or, or I'll just say this, maybe it protects the men. Like we're gonna, I, I'm so bullish that again, women's sports is gonna continue to rise that in 50 years from now, I'm hopeful that it's, we're gonna be using this to guarantee educational and sports opportunities for boys and girls and not just thinking about Title IX as a women's sports law. Mm. I have not he heard that pers perspective. That you're actually thinking that women's sports is gonna soar so much, we gotta think about the guys. We're gonna save the men from yeah. themselves. But but if you think about the but if you think about the growth of women's sports, and especially with NIL at the NCAA, if we're talking about the NCAA law, yep. Um, who knows if NCAA will be around? But NIL right now, a lot of the work that we're doing shows that it's more consumers, more fans want to see female athletes. Yeah. And so there's like a whole huge market. Demand. People want to see female athletes. And I, I'm just very um, optimistic over that because I think it's going to continue to grow women's sports at the NCAA level mm -hmm. uh, commercially. And yeah, we'll be at a point where it's not, oh, you're taking spots away from the men. We're literally using Title IX to justify equality across gender. Mm -hmm. That's funny you mentioned NIL because my 13-year-old Declan, who's in the audience today, when I posted a picture of him on Instagram the other day, he goes, Mom, that's going to cost you. My NIL fee is $10 a photo. <laughs> Name image likeness. <laughs> I was like, all right, dude. Um, my overriding emotion um, is why does no one still know what it is? 
I mean, to this day, and that is frustrating to me. I, and I know, I mean, I have conversations with my kids. I have conversations with adults about this that, that were not taught it. And I don't blame the kids. I, and we'll get into when you guys first learned about Title IX. I didn't learn about Title IX until I became a part of the Women's Sports Foundation. And then that was in college, and they started educating me on this law that, as Bunny Sandler, one of the writers of this law, said, is the most profound civil rights law we've had and the only other one that is as profound for women, she thought, was the 19th Amendment, which was the women's right to vote. And yet we don't learn about it in, in, in elementary school, in middle school, in high school. And that is a problem, I think. And it frustrates the heck out of me. I'm like, we're 50 years in, and it's great we're talking about this now with this anniversary. But why aren't we talking about this on a daily basis? This is a huge civil rights law that has been so important to women. Okay, I got that out. I feel better. <laughs> When was the first time you you discovered what Title IX was? Uh, it was when I, at the conclusion of my first year of law school, when I interned for the Women's Sports Foundation. Mm. I was brought in as the advocacy intern, and that that was my territory, Title IX. But I had no clue what I was going, what I was leaving Wisconsin to go, you know, do really <clears throat> for summer here in New York. So, it was late bloomer. It was. It was Way, so way, late, way. so late as well. Late, yeah. late. Yeah. Yep. You didn't hear about it. Certainly, I mean, I, I grew up in Georgia, and that was, I mean, didn't hear about it there, right? Yeah. Didn't hear yeah. about it back then, um, and I, I, it never occurred to me prior to that. So yeah. And when did you find out? So I'm like you. I I owe a tremendous amount um, to the Women's Sports Foundation. Yeah. We we won the team sport. Uh, athletes of the year in 1998 after we won our gold medal we all flew in yeah. and you know got our hair done and it was crazy I was like wow this is so cool hair and makeup <laughs> my hair yes. was like this big um all of us it was, it was fun uh <laughs> but I remember literally learning about it then and going whoa what is this this is this is amazing not just what the women's sports foundation represents but all the advocacy and then it, and it's specifically drilling into title nine and and I was a, still a senior in high school. And so the next year I, I started at Harvard and it just like opened my eyes a little. Like, well, is our, our, not just do we have participation, equal participation, because Title IX isn't just about participation. It was, are our ice times equal? What about our equipment? Are, how are we yeah. overall being treated relative to the men's hockey team? And so it just, I think the education that I got at this dinner um, and then as a subsequent getting involved in the WSF was um, was tremendous for me. Yeah, real quick. The, the one thing that's interesting too is I, I didn't learn about it until like the end of my college career and I had gone to the fine institution of Stanford University. Uh, yeah, no, anyone? Okay. <laughs> Come on. I, I guess we are on the East Coast. Where's all the card in the audience? And. And I didn't get, I was, when, I, when I, I turned down full rides, I was playing on the national team already, but there was only, this is 1990, 89, so we're already 20 years into Title IX. And there was only a handful, I was on the national team, only a handful of full scholarships available to me. Think about that today. If you were on the national team going into college, you would have 300 full rides available to you. And they said to me at Stanford, well, we are, we'll get one your sophomore year. We, just not this freshman year, but we're, it's coming. And then my sophomore year, there was no scholarship. We're going to get one your junior year, no scholarship. Finally, my senior year, I got the first ever women's soccer scholarship. 
And I said to my parents, if you just had me like three years later, you would have saved. Look at the money you would have saved. It, but it took, so it was 1992 when I got that first full ride. It took 20 years post Title IX for Stanford to award its first scholarship. And then they came quickly because the Brown lawsuit happened and then everyone was, was, was reeling from that. Okay, sorry, sidebar. Then. That was a good sidebar Thank because you. Billie Jean King talks about the importance of knowing history. And what's interesting about both you, Phaedra, and Angela is that you played male-dominated sports. So I would be interested to hear what it was like for you playing early on, where were there even opportunities for girls in your sports and how that's evolved to, to today? All right, I'm getting the eye. Um, I'll, go start, I'll go first. Uh, so I grew up in LA. There was no hockey, not, let alone women's hockey. <laughs> um, and I only got into hockey. My dad was from the East Coast, and um, he, uh, he, he essentially signed my brother up, who was six. I was seven. My sister was eight. And we all played on the same hockey team uh, because they said, do you have any other kids? And he said, oh, a couple girls at home. And like, bring them out. We're, we need bodies on the team. We'll give you a family discount. So we, I fell into hockey, literally. Warm bodies, let's go. So it was like three, three kids for the price of two. Um, so I, I fell into hockey, um, definitely got called names. Uh, my sister only played for two years. I was the only girl in the state in my age division. I, I only ever played against one other girl once really? a year when I went to Colorado. Brandy Kearns, number nine, played defense just like me. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was – it was – it was hard, and I got cut from teams. I always talk, tell the story of the discrimination I faced because I was the only girl, and um, and not making teams, and getting, even though I should have, and and the, and even after coming back from a having a gold medal around my neck in 1998, I went to a local rink, just play pickup hockey, federally funded, and they said I couldn't play because I was a woman. Yeah. Federally funded. I'm like I read I'm 18, and I have a gold medal, and like yeah. I'm a, I can play, and that was besides the point, but. It, like I'm, this is still Wait, so happening. you actually made that point in the moment? Oh yeah, I wondered and they, that. They chuckled at me. They were they laughed at me like I was just making it up. And um, and so I went. Uh, I came back with a news team with an undercover camera. Oh hell yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I, I, so I, I, I said, you know, can you say that again? I, you know, just pointing <laughs> to the, the little pen that was sticking out of my pocket and got it on film. And then they, you know, they changed the law after that. So um, yeah. That's awesome. I love that, that you were like, I'll bring my little undercover news team and we're going <laughs> to yeah. expose this. Well, it just, and it taught me a lot too about, look, you're going to face discrimination, almost anticipate it in a bad way. Cause again, playing in a male dominated sport, you just yeah. you almost expect to get picked on. It's really sad. Yeah. But then you realize that you can, you can let it affect you or you can, you can push through it, stay in your lane, the thing that you love to do, which I absolutely loved hockey. I was a hockey player on career day in the second grade like it's all i wanted to do growing up even though there was zero female role models for me women's hockey wasn't in the olympics i just knew i loved it um but it taught me that okay like you can you can change the laws you can be an advocate you can do something to ensure the next generation doesn't have that same um discrimination or, or you know that that hurt that i felt as a nine-year-old i don't know i'm sure you had similar like rugby, I mean, that's, yeah. it's also a pretty tough sport. <laughs> Probably tougher. There's no equipment yeah. for you. I mean, yeah. we at least have pads. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. But, but look at those arms. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, with rugby. She walked in, I was like, Phaedra, I want those arms. <laughs> what did you do today? 
Sorry, Phaedra, Kill, carry on. Man, it'll punch a lot of people to get them. <laughs> so um, with, with rugby, because you know, I'm obviously doing MMA now, and I jumped out of the frying pan into the fire coming from rugby. Um, you know, I started playing in law school um, at the University of Wisconsin for a club team, the club team there. And, you know, there weren't very many women's rugby teams. Um, you know, there weren't as many as men's, right? Um, there were far fewer than there are now. Um, and it's, it's been the same fight, right? It, funding from, when I made the U.S. team, funding, you know, from USA Rugby was practically non-existent. Um, paid my way to go on tour. I paid to represent Team USA. Really? Paid to, yeah. And um, at it, World Cups, some right. Wow. Um, you know there was no stipend. We, you know you took off of you. You had to take off of work, two three weeks. Um, but then you also have to consider that's just to go to World Cup, and then you're taking off time for camps. You're financing your own, tr you know, travel. But then you have to play the grassroots game, which is completely unfunded. Right, so you know, rugby was probably more expensive than law school for me. Um, still paying for that. <laughs> still paying which, for it all. Which, both. <laughs> oh. um, but uh, it's you know that's that was the game, right? And now we're at a point where the you had the women's 15s team and the women's sevens team. I played for both. Um, sevens has become much more funded because it's an Olympic sport. So those athletes are professionalized um, and they get paid, but they don't get paid, you know, they're not making like soccer player money. You know what I mean? Soccer players are making money now. They're making money. Equal pay, baby. Yep, yeah, that's what's up, that's what's up. I know, I was like, how many years does that go back? Yeah. Is it retroactive yeah. to, to like the 17th century? That'd right? be great. That's but no, I but I think it's great because you, um, I mentioned WSF before, but when you played in the 99 World Cup, I just have to share this story. Our team was going through a similar process. Like, well, how do we stand up for ourselves? How do we get right. equal? It wasn't equal pay. I mean, you weren't there yet, but. Yeah, we were equitable pay. But, yeah. you're, but you're, you've been, you and soccer have been paving the way for so many years. Yeah. And we, I remember sitting down going, what did you do? How did you get into that arena? Like, how did you get more marketing dollars? Like, what, what are the steps that we should be thinking? And mm -hmm. that's what I love about women's sports is that it's almost like a sisterhood in a way. And yeah. again, soccer is leading with you, Julie, and, and others on your team, setting the standard. And obviously we know the king, Billy Jane, who's, you know, started it all. But um, I don't know, I'm sure rugby in a way is like, every sport I feel is a little bit behind it doesn't yeah. just matter how many years or how many yeah. decades in some cases but the yeah. same fight same yeah fight. it's, it's yeah. so incredible when we do these interviews how it's you hear different sports same fight yep well soccer and hockey i mean i feel like you're you're definitely the forerunner with soccer and hockey like women's basketball obviously but you're you're Maybe you're like close middle you know, tier yeah 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 <laughs> i mean rugby i feel like we're just way back, you know and um, you know, USA Rugby in particular has gone through some some financial woes over the last ten years. I mean, since the existence, really, to be honest with you. Um, so 
you know, we have great hope with the uh, being awarded the 2033, 2031 Men's uh, World Cup, but really especially the 2033 Women's World Cup, that maybe that will create a commercial buzz that will create interest in investing in the women's game, um, you know, and, and that will change the landscape a bit. But yeah, it's, it's time. It's, it's, it's time. so past I time. do, I do feel, and I'll go to your word, Angela, hopeful, and yep. that there is this shift and there's this feeling and for so long, I know we've been saying this for like 70 years, but like we're on the verge of women's <laughs> yeah. sports breaking through, but it feels different this time. Yeah. It feels real. Yeah. And I know, Ange, you've been doing a ton of work in this space to not just make it a feeling anymore or anecdotal, but there's actual data to back mm -hmm. it up, right? Let's go. Tell me, Ange. Let's go, bring it on, bring it on. Tell me the data. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. So um, last year uh, we, uh, my company, Sports Innovation Lab, launched a, a, a large initiative called the Fan Project, and we asked consumers, fans, to to help us understand who they are, because there we believe, and I believe, and I've been saying it, like all of us probably, there's an opportunity in women's sports. You should be investing in women's sports. We could feel it, and we talk about it. So rather than be an advocate for it, I said, what if I were to look at consumer data? What if we were to literally use a objective data to see what this market does. And no one's ever done it before. No one's actually studied the market of women's sports. So we said, look, let's go look at those fans, those consumers. And the result that we got back affirmed what I had thought and probably all thought is there's a big business opportunity for women's sports, massive. And the reasons are at a macro level, if you think about it, technology's changed. So it's, sports are more accessible, content's more accessible. Athletes as influencers, women lead that market. They're willing to put themselves out there and connect to the consumer. And the consumer is more willing to ask. Think the Me Too movement. Think about these massive Black Lives Matter societal trends that are now saying, well, why aren't we doing anything in women's? Brands are getting, you know, the consumer is saying, brands, why aren't you doing this? And so all of a sudden, all these macro forces come together and what our data showed was that Fans of women's sports, and that's men and women, are, again, the most technologically savvy. They spend more. They watch longer. They just want it done differently. They don't want you to lift and shift the men's model, the business model. What we, what, and what we see is typically someone buys a team or a league or they have the, the sister league, and it's like, oh, so let's lift and shift it, slap some pink on it, let's underfund it, and go, why isn't it working? <laughs> We're like, well, that consumer is actually different. These fans like to consume stories, and they want the athlete 24-7. And they don't just want to watch on TV. They may not even have a TV at home. They're, they want it on their phone. They want, they want to buy more merch, like the orange hoodie flew off the shelf. They want to consume sports in a different way. And at Sports Innovation Lab, all we do is study this like future consumer. We call it the fluid fan. And so we're simply applying the research on this future fan to the women's market. And we just released a report yesterday, the largest observ observational study ever of purchasing. So if anything moves the needle, it's money. And so we said, well, let's look at how fans of women's sports are spending their money. And we affirmed they're spending more. They spend more, and we can see something like, they spend more on charities, 30% more than the general sports fan. They, they are on streaming platforms, spend 
30% more on streaming platforms. We can actually see with detail that like, this is a market you should be going after. And if you knew that, we'd put more money, we'd grow the business, and relative to general sports fans, women's sports fans are like a lucrative opportunity. So I just mm -hmm. keep be beating on the, yes, it's the right thing to do, yes, we should be fighting for more advocacy, but like, there's money being left on the table. Yes! It's like, yes! Hello! <laughs> Yo, whenever they'd be like, were you surprised that 90,000 showed up to watch you play in a World Cup final? Uh, no. And paid for a ticket. <laughs> yeah, we have been telling them this for 20 years! And so this is what I love because we have always said, like, just knowing and hearing and feeling that fan love, and this is even pre-social media. Now imagine in the days of social media, you, you know it's out there. Yeah, but as athletes, we could feel it. Yeah. We're like, they're, they're here, they're hungry, they yeah. want more. But the executives, which tend to be men, mm -hmm. yeah. that have never built anything in women's sports, are like, nah, not really, not really yeah. sure. So we're like, you know what? Let's remove doubt and just go in there with data. Data. Yes. Some my opinion. Some clap for It's huge. Yeah, go to thefanproject.co if you want to look at the reports. There, it's. Uh, I want to arm everyone. The goal is to arm executives that are like, hey, I want to spend more on women's sports, but like my boss won't let me. Like, well, here's the data. <laughs> You know, or hey, I'm I'm an athlete that's been advocating for equal pay. Like, let me make sure the executive making the decision knows that there's a market out there. So, um, oh. yeah, that's that was the goal. Do take a different angle to you know continue to get more investment because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, any successful business needs investment. Mm -hmm. And why doesn't women's sports deserve the same kind of investment mm -hmm. and the duration of investment that we see on the men's side? Talk about the MLS. How long was that in the red? Yeah, oh, losing yeah. money. Yeah, and now it's like forever going up. But yep. yet, women's sports are like, well, they're not making money like two years in, three years <laughs> right. in. What's up with that? Yeah. I'm like, there's no runway. You're supposed to lose money. Like I started my own company. Like you should be in the red for a while. It means you're investing. Yeah. Right. And then you come out and you're boom. Angela, why is this information not out there? I don't know. <laughs> like, we need to get this out there. That's, I mean, that's what we've been, you know, the last year and a half. We just, again, released a second report. Um, we call it the community growth score, 40% higher growth relative to general sports fan, 40% higher on attraction and retention of fans of women's sports. Just take that alone. It's 40% greater than the general sports fan. This market is attracting more fans and keeping those fans 40% more than the general market. Yet everyone's putting money into mm -hmm. men's sports. Private equity, everyone's like hammering over what's the next team, what's the next league. Media companies are like, oh, we got to keep the men on. That's who people watch. And I'm going, I'm trying to push out. So, so the more the merrier, ladies. I mean, <laughs> men and men, I'll say, when men get it and they own the purse strings, the world will be a different place. That's my hope. Okay, so to that point, Jessica Berman, who's the new commissioner of the NWSL, the Women's Pro Soccer League, she said her first week on the job. And she has only been in now like two months. Her first week on the job, we, we actually did a live podcast with her at, uh, not a podcast, live interview with her at the ESPNW Summit in New York City. And she said the first week on the job, I had call after call after call of institutional investors. How do I get in? And so either they've been reading your data <laughs> or like they also have this feeling because she said, it blew my mind. I knew there was, a, you know, th there was a lot of momentum behind women's sports, but she's like, 
These are big money institutional investors who in the past, that has been the hard investor to get to, right? You get the, the, uh, the one-off that wants to do it because his daughter maybe played and then doesn't maybe have the deep pockets to sustain it uh, because they're surprised at loss uh, when they shouldn't be. And she said that was the most encouraging thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that institutional is coming in and Angel City and others that are taking institutional I think the WNBA, you know, the industry is 75 million. That's, you know, as part of that investment. Like there's money coming into women's sports. My worry, or not enough money coming into women's sports, but the interest, the like, hey, what is this? Yeah, maybe we should be doing more. It's like great. It's like people are poking around now. Mm -hmm. um, one, I hope they spend and invest for the long term and the, at the right amount. Not like here's a, here's a couple million, good luck. Like no, like the XFL lost $100 million in like a year. Not even. And that was a good, and someone bought it, like, you know, The Rock bought it and turned flipping it a year yeah, later. Like, right. what? Right. Um, but then when you build whatever Jessica's going to end up doing, I hope, I hope it doesn't replicate the men. I hope yeah. we don't think sports yeah. is tickets, linear TV, and, and sponsorship. I hope we recognize, like, the consumer in this market Again, wants more storytelling. They want more merch. They want to, and they want more impact. They want more impact. They're yeah. gonna again thirty percent more in, in nonprofits. That's why the yeah. W did so well, has been doing so well. Their our data showed it spiked interest in the W when they started talking about Black Lives Matter. Mm. It wasn't the reverse. It actually drove ticket sales. Mm. So think about that. Fluid fans vote with their values. We show up to things just because it reflects who we are. We may not even care about the score. Yep. We may not even know the, know the stat. We don't know who the athletes are, but we're like, that league represents me. That yep. team represents me. So anyway, I'm, and, and, I'm bullish on that. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say on this as well is, is when you talk about doing it differently and, and, and not to, to, um, to blow the horn of Angel City too much, but, <laughs> but I will, is, is they came in. We should and say said, that you are a co-owner. Yes, I am a co-owner. I should be an investor. That's I'm good. an investor yeah. in, in Angel City and a co-owner. But when they brought in sponsors, they said to the ownership group, we want to give 10% of all sponsorship revenue back into the community. We want to mandate that they give 10% back into a nonprofit of their choosing. So when DoorDash comes in as our you know, uniform sponsor, they get to give 10% to a, a nonprofit of their choosing. Are you good with that? And of course, we were like, hell yes, let's go. And so that hadn't been done before at that level, which is great to see in, in terms of your... Or 1%, I think, goes back to the players. players. Well, don't you think the players are going to be like, come to our games? I'm getting a cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yo, like showing up. All right, last thing before we go to the Lynn game. Which gets very intense, I want to warn you, because I lose every time. Um, what, what do you want to know? What do you want people to know about Title IX that's not being discussed? I think the compliance or lack thereof. Right? Definitely, yeah. And, you know, we see, uh, you know, growth in collegiate sports and women, you know, but there's a lot of non compliant colleges and universities and high school programs out there that are, you know, they're, they're living high on the hog with the federal funds, but they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and no one's slapping their hand. And so what's gonna really move the needle forward for Title IX and get us to a place where we have a culture in our, in our world, in our country, that fosters and, and lives and breathes equity is, Compliance. You make it law, and then everyone follows suit. 
mic drop. That's the only, to me, that is the way forward, and that's the one thing that we don't talk enough about. Yeah. And the study by the Women's Sports Foundation showed there are still so many yeah. schools that are not in compliance, right. as we know. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. Ange, what about you? Well, um, the Women's Sports Foundation, 100, 100, uh, 1 million less opportunities today still for girls to compete in spite of the success that Title IX has had. So I think there's a lot of attention to the participation, which I just need to highlight off the bat. They're still not there. But that's not all Title IX is. Again, it's an educational act. It's about fairness across the whole yep. educational system. Yep. And where more women are actually in the system now than men right. in the educational system. Um, but if you're a young woman out there listening to this, I would say educate yourself because it extends past education, even if you're not an athlete. This is about your fairness across your school. And if you are an athlete and you have a position, you oh look, equal participation. This is about fairness in when is your practice? Is it do you alternate with the men or do you get like the 8 p.m. slot? Is this does your equipment do you get the same amount of hockey sticks as the boys? Do you do, is your coach treated fairly, right? Compensated fairly? What if you asked? Maybe you could make a difference for that person. So uh, you know, even marketing the games, like I, you know, I played in I don't know how many games, I'm like, oh, there's gonna be a lot of people here and not that many showed up. <laughs> I'm like, come on, did we even talk about this? Did we promote it like we promoted right. the men's game? So it's more than just participation. I would just go online, go to the WSF website. I'm sure you can learn a lot around. It extends past just participation, but it should help everyone, I guess is the point. It's not just about sports. I'm gonna give a quick plug yeah, yeah. to, were you thinking the same thing? Yeah, this is it. sometimes we, uh, yeah. we finish each other's sentence. Sandwiches. That's the corny joke. Come on, Jules. So there is an incredible four-part documentary series done by ESPN called 37 Words that if you want to learn the ins and outs, the history, the future of Title IX, check it out. Julie is actually featured in the documentary. I was honored enough to be a story producer on it. It's fantastic. And again, it goes back to what Billie Jean King has said, know your history, because we saw today things can happen in this in this country mm -hmm. and everything that's being discussed today needs to be furthered in the future that would be me on my how i the emotion i feel about this and when you know your history you're able to understand that you have the right to fight for it mm -hmm. and there's a great story in this four part series on a softball team from Oregon who would go, the, the, the boys' baseball team had this great new field on campus at the high school, and they had to travel like a mile, um, or no, they walked a half mile, they would walk a half mile, they'd run down, and the coach would be like picking the dog poop off the field, getting rid of all the holes, filling in the holes. Fields didn't like, have a fence. Didn't have a fence, it was like in a park, right? They're kicking people off of it all the time. And then the coach, finally became aware of Title IX and the team became aware of Title IX and they hired lawyers and filed a lawsuit and it wasn't until they put in the lawsuit, which was the smartest thing, the baseball team couldn't play until the women's team 
had a field because they kept sitting on this lawsuit. They kept sitting on this lawsuit, no field. And then all of a sudden, as soon as they put that clause in there, they said there were bulldozers there the next day. It's this fantastic story about if you understand what your rights are, and you then you can understand you have the right to demand for better. And that and that is, a, is something I think, which goes back to what I first said is that I just want more people to understand the value of what we have with Title IX. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Okay. We have three very strong competitors on the stage, and we're about to get real. Let's go! We are about to play the Lynn game, which is a trivia game in which Julie will go head to head to head against our incredible guests. Uh, five questions, all multiple choice. I'll let you know the theme in just a moment, but before that, something that's crucial to the game is which squeaky toy you would like to squeak in for an answer. And your options are, you have the Robin Roberts boar, or... Squeak it. <laughs> or the Billie Jean King elephant. Give me that pig. Oh, all right, there we go. Give me that pig. I'll take BJK. Woo. Going with the kinger. Go, and I left your squeaky toy at the hotel, Jules. Yeah, I'm loud enough, though, to do my own. Whoop, whoop! All right, the theme of this trivia game... You knew I didn't need it. ...is... All about BJK. All oh, about BJK. Nice. Billy Jean King. All I the actually might win this. All right. Whoa, confidence. Confidence. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. You know. Yeah. Let's go. Five questions, best of five wins. <laughs> Question one: How many major titles did Billy Jean King win in singles competition? Is it A. Twelve, B. Eighteen, or C. Twenty-three? <laughs> Angela. B. Incorrect. Oh. You squeaked in you second. You heard your water bottle. You squeaked in second. You got it. Because if you, if you miss it, I win it. Hey. <laughs> hey. 
correct. Ah. <laughs> that was a guess. The strategy here. Wait, what was that number again? Yeah, right? 12. 12. Phaedra, solid. Sorry, Kinger. Question two. Where in California was Billie Jean King born? Long Beach! Ow! 1-1, one, one, baby, let's go! Question three. What year was Billie Jean King's first Wimbledon win? Was it A, 1959, oh. B, 1960, or C, 1961? Pedro. <laughs> no, that was... I'm going with B. Incorrect. Dang. Give me the years again. Give me the years. Whoever, well, I just realized I should have had four question options for this, so whoever squeaks in next. <laughs> Angela. So is it 1959 or 1961? 61. Correct. Oh! oh tie. Whoa, three-way tie here. Two to one, two to one. Oh no, is no, that your one, first? Three-way tie. One, 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 one. Tie. Oh, Question four, how old, was, how old was Billie Jean King when she played in the Battle of the Sexes? A, 24, oh. B, 29, oh. or C, 32. Ah! Phaedra. 29. Correct. Oh. Hey, oh. there's one more. You're gonna have to make up more. All right. I'm feeling my pig. Is there a sudden death? Two to one to one. If we get this, then there's a sudden death. Yeah. There's a playoff question. Yeah. There's a tie break. Okay, so we question to, five. I'm just gonna go for it. What is the title of Billy's autobiography? Oh, come on! Owen! Oh, oh, Owen, buddy! So now we go to the tiebreak portion of the game, which is rock, paper, scissors. Oh. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm not even a part of it. Here we go. Okay, ready? Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors. Both shot paper. Oh. Rock, paper, scissors. Phaedra gets it. Scissors beats paper. Congratulations. Phaedra, you get a hat. Phaedra, you get a hat. Add, add winner of the Lynn game to your bio, Phaedra. Phaedra gets a hat. Okay. All right. Next segment, most pressing questions. Phaedra, how many push-ups can you do in a row? Now? I don't know. I haven't done them in so long. Oh, well, come on, Phaedra. Don't you guys want to see her not good enough? No, I try not go. Come on, Phaedra. Okay, she, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. She told me she already worked out today. She did not want to work out or do anything on stage. I can probably do uh, 35, 40. Let's go! Really? Yeah! That's so mean. You better not ask me to do Phaedra, I believe in you. You have to sit One. on her back Look at now. You. I mean, you Two. are an MMA Three. fighter, Phaedra. Five. MMA! Six, seven, eight. Okay, that's nine. good, that's good. All right, that's don't strain me. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Such arm envy. I mean, come on, just flex a little bit over there. God dang. I want those arms. I'm flattered. All Thank all you. All right, and you live in Boston. Give me your favorite Boston saying and your favorite Boston accent because I know you're wicked smart. Well, like I'm that. from LA. You realize that, right? I know, but you live in but Boston. I'll try. Yeah, I did go to Harvard. <laughs> Park your car in Harvard Yard. There we go. It's not very good, though. Park your car in Harvard like, Yard. You want to get a Dunkin'? Yeah, give me a, give me a double double. What are you there saying? You go. That was good. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, you know? 
every corner. Do you know that um, that was my favorite sponsorship of all time? Duncan? Yeah. And all I said to them is, I don't even want money. I just want a lifetime supply of donuts. <laughs> and they were like, no. Jules, tell a quick story of you being on the bus with your Duncan. Yeah, they used to give me these coupons, like, like books of them for like a free dozen, a free two dozen. And you just had this little card and you'd walk into any Duncan. And I would keep a stash of them in my boot bag. My, so we'd be like on the bus with the national team and we'd be in like Boston or somewhere. And then all of a sudden we'd, we'd be cruising along and there'd be a Duncan and we'd all start pounding on the window. <laughs> Stop the bus! Stop the bus! And we'd run in with our coupons. What'd your coach each say? One, <laughs> each coach one of us don't. would have a coupon and the owners did not like it because then they had to go get reimbursed. So they'd be like, oh. But we would just fill the bus with donuts. It was fantastic. Pre-game. <laughs> eat, eat a, my, my coach used to say, eat a donut, play like a donut. So I don't know how you play that day. <laughs> Maybe that was my problem. Fair to say. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Okay, the last segment we do, and then we're going to open it up for some questions from the audience. So start thinking about what hard-hitting questions you want to ask, because we'll we'll, uh, spend the last five to seven minutes doing that. High, low cheer is the last thing we do. We do it often around the dinner table. My daughter is also with me. Izzy, give a wave. Yeah, Izzy! Izzy and Declan and her friend Marlo, give a wave. Marlo! Um, They came just for the podcast. Nothing to do with being in New York City. Um, And we do this around the table with the kids. We do their high of the day, their low of the day, and then the cheer is someone they cheer for, so someone they're grateful for get them thinking about others of course for you all though high of your career low of your career and your cheer is for someone who's helped you along the way so why don't we do high high low low cheer cheer how does that sound so start with your high Phaedra um probably being named to the all-world team back in four score and seven years ago (laughs) anyway um (laughs) twice yeah twice That, that 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 was a that was a pretty hefty uh feet there so heck yes all world i would just walk around with a big tattoo on my forehead all world (laughs) yo yo okay you're Uh, high Ange. i mean it's kind of obvious it's hard to beat an olympic gold medal like it's not really even fair i can't even you know there's all these other amazing (laughs) things but like getting to the top of the podium and it was the first time women's hockey was ever in the olympics too so you have that on top of it like bringing it to the world for the first time ever and and you were 18 years old? I was old. a kid. Yeah, I was a kid. I mean, imagine going back to high crazy. school and being like, oh, what's I, up? And guess what my college essay was about. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about me? Let me tell you about me. Oh, that's good. All right, low, Phaedra. Um, being cut from the uh, 2016 Olympic team. I mean, I was over the hill. I was old. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I recognize it was a huge opportunity if I did make it. And I knew it was, 
I had about a 20% chance to make it, but it was still disappointing. It was, it was a heartbreaker, but I got through, and now I'm fighting. Yeah, you're more than five. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mentioned the story of being cut when I was a nine-year-old. That's probably one of the most like impactful moments, even though I was nine, because I learned about gender and it, you know, it hurt my feelings. I was nine. I wanted to be on that team, that, that boys' team. Um, but if you talk about professionally, it was winning a silver medal. Even like, oh, you won a silver. I'm like, but you don't know how close. We were 33 and oh, going into the final in our home turf in Salt Lake City. But it taught me so much about. Um, we weren't the team that we were the prior Olympics. And when push came to shove, we couldn't come together. We tried to do it individually. I'm sure you both have similar stories of like, but we were the better team, but like, but we weren't a team. We were a collection of individuals. So that was, that's still a hard one to, even though I love my silver, I'm not gonna, you know, throw it on the ground. I don't love my silver I'm at just all. like, <laughs> I really do not love it. She was gold, it. Yeah. that one in particular. I look at that one and I was like, ugh. It, Norway was who beat us in the final. And to this day, I, I tell my husband, although he forgot this year, he does the camps we do. We do a World Cup on the last day. I'm like, no Norway. There was no Norway that's playing at this camp. And this year he had a Norway team. I was like, what happened? Tour rule. Well, we're competitive. You want to win. I know. That's I call it white gold. That helps. That's true. Platinum. Platinum. Yeah. Sort of? No. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Your cheer, Phaedra. My cheer? Mm-hmm. Like so, a cheer. Who do you cheer for? Someone who's helped you along the way. Oh, my cheer is, you know, my mom. She's been outstanding. Um, she's always been a fan. She drove to all of my basketball games when I was in high school, junior high. Um, she showed up for all of them. And <clears throat> she came to as many rugby matches as she could. And now she comes to see me fight. And it's so awesome. Mm. And she always said, I can't watch. I can't watch. And then uh, a friend of mine took video at the last fight. Um, it, it, it was very quick. But um, took video of her. She's like, I'm not going to be able to watch. I'm not going to be able to watch of her dancing. Like, just <laughs> dancing and high-fiving people behind her that she didn't know. Uh, she's incredible. That's how she overcomes it. But, you know, I cheer for her, too, because she, she – lives the example i mean she sets the example she lives um like the dream she she's 74 years old she runs six miles a day lady can do anything she wants what yeah like she's 74 she 74 six miles a day if i showed you a picture of her you'd be like no way like she's incredible show us your you want to see a picture <laughs> i'll show you one later flash it up there but yeah but she's um She's just my inspiration, and she's always just looking to improve, even at 74. I think she's going to start therapy at 74 years old, just never, you know, never quitting. And so that's where I feel like I get my fighting spirit, and um, that's awesome. so I'm always cheering for her. Yay, Mom. Yes, Mom. Wait, before you give your cheer, I just want to say when you said cheer, do you remember? What did that remind you of? Billie Jean King? She goes, cheer? She went, woo -hoo! <laughs> and we're like, no, that's good cheering, Billy, but we mean like someone to cheer. <laughs> so cute. Okay. Well, I do want to first give a shout out to Billie Jean King because like Word. She's, she's like, come on, Title Nine. Yeah. Like, like just what she's my shiro in sports, like someone 
not only as an athlete, but I think more importantly, her legacy extends off of the field and Title IX and everything she did, founding the WTA, just, again, someone that I'm so lucky through. We all, we've all been able to meet her and know her as presidents of the Women's Sports Foundation. And she's had a tremendous impact on, on my life. Um, but, but outside of Billy, who's the king, my mom as well, she's... My dad was the hockey guy. Like, he took me to practice, and he taught me the rules, and he was, like, the hockey guy. My mom literally to this day doesn't know the rules of hockey. I joke with her. I'm like, do you know what offsides is? Just explain it, mom. Go ahead. Um, but she still can't. She gets all flustered. She's like, I know the offsides. And I'm like, um, but she just cares about me. And, you know, you need – I had that balance of, like, the pressure, the hockey, the, like, go hard and then my mom was always that um I'll love you no matter what who cares what metal you know just that like balance so and and it's my mom's birthday today so happy birthday mom uh all right um before we get to questions I just want to say thank you both for being not just amazing role models as athletes but what I love to see is that you have all these amazing female athletes who go on to do incredible things. I mean, Phaedra is still an athlete, of course, with her MMA, but she started her, her fashion line, her collective, which gives back to the Women's Sports Foundation as part of it. Go check it out, PSK Collective, and just doing all this incredible work to show why women's sports matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to run the world one day. Yeah. Yeah, uh, female athletes. So thanks for what you guys continue to do on a daily basis. Thank so, you. Thank you. All right, we got five minutes. Who wants a hat? If you ask a question, you get a hat. Okay, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> right, you gotta give me a minute. You gotta look it up. Come on. I'm not kidding. Look how cute these hats are, huh? Huh? You want it? You gotta catch it. Don't get yourself hurt. Oh. Uh. Okay. Well, Phaedra's uh, finding that picture. <laughs> It will come. Do we have any questions? One in the front, yes. S stand up and introduce yourself. Here comes the mic, thank you. Hello, hi, I'm Abby, hi. Yeah, Abby! Abby! <laughs> Big uh, round of applause for Abby! Yay! There we go! <laughs> um, yeah, thank you guys for being here. Super inspirational talk. Um, as someone who lacks all athletic abilities whatsoever, <laughs> Um, but wants to support women and Title IX and all the things that you guys are here speaking about, standing up for. Um, how do you kind of um, get into the space from maybe a business aspect or maybe like an analytics aspect um, without having that kind of experience? Because it seems like a lot of these spaces are asking for people with like hands-on athletic experience. And I'm like, I don't have any, but I like the space and I want to support it. So, Great question. Great question. I'll start with that. And then, Ange, I know you probably want to fill in. Um, there is an incredible website called demand9ix.org that is about um, educational information, and it's about protecting Title IX. And so if you guys haven't been to it yet, I highly recommend going to it. There's a petition on it where you can go and sign up and um, and and lend your name to continuing to support Title IX. Obviously, the Women's Sports Foundation has... Um, on their website, a ton of incredible 
uh, information around how you can get engaged in helping Title IX. They also have a lot of stats and data to Angie's point to back up where we are with this. Because I do think, you know, one of the things we're going to have to really be vigilant about is protecting it. And even 50 years in, and as hopeful as we are in terms of where it will take us, I do think that there's, and, and because of today, as we're seeing, there's that in the back of your mind going, oh gosh, like we need to be vigilant as, you know, athletes and non-athletes alike for just the right for women to play and to dream and to go to school and to do all these things they want to do. It's not just about sports, of course. So um, I would I would say demand9.org is a great place to go as I well. Yeah, educate yourself. I love all those resources. I would say from a work perspective, if that's what you're asking, um, think about where you want to be in 10 years. If you want to work in women's sports, you can start in women's sports. And there's the traditional, I say this across the board, you can start with a team or a league, but you can also go get another degree, go learn a skill set, go work at an Amazon or a Google or a tech, you know, go work outside of sports you don't have to be an athlete to work in sports i i actually love people that aren't athletes sometimes because they're going to bring a completely different mindset to the equation and um you know for any any young person looking to to break into to women's sports and help women's sports sometimes it's you know having that outside exposure and experience and i would just say pick up the phone to like anyone mentorship i think is a big thing just talking to someone that maybe is in the shoes you want to be one day and, and just asking them for a coffee. I get asked for coffee all the time and I don't always take it because I can't fit everything, but I try as best as I can to if know, they, talk If they about offer that. a donut, I'm like, yes. A dozen donuts. <laughs> yes. I'm in. Yeah. Wine helps. <laughs> College Question? students buying a wine. <laughs> I've got your picture. Yes! Yeah, there she is. Mom. It's ripped. Look oh, at those arms. Look at those arms. Gosh. That's mom. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, good for her. Six Can you miles. See it? Can you see it? Man. Yeah. This is. That's mom. <laughs> we need the mirror. Mom is impressed. Any other questions? Last question. Oh, one more. Oh, we got two. We'll do two quick ones. Okay. Hi, I'm Mary. Thank you guys Hi, so much. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Just oh, as so like athletes, but also now as like businesswoman and really successful in your careers like what are what is like one piece of advice that you would have given your like 24 25 year old like younger self I guess I would have given myself the advice of just chill right um and embrace uh, I think more importantly chill and embrace the failures um man there have been so many in my wake right there's just failure after failure, bad decision, like, oh, that's life and learning. And, you know, when you're going through, well, when I was going through it, it was just like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. But it's really not. It's transition to um, success. It's really transition. And it, you, you have to learn somehow. And someone can, you know, your parents can tell you only so much. They can only give you so much warning. There's a obviously a curiosity to learn and want to do things yourself and that comes with a price but it comes with also uh you know a lesson that can be very valuable and as long as you wake up the next day <laughs> you you know and you can walk and you can you can breathe and you can move on there's there's value in that lesson you learned 
and there's opportunity in that lesson you learn, and so you seize it. So I think I just, you know, for me, again, it's chill and just embrace those failures because they are absolutely the roadmap to the successes. Love it. Ange, do you want to give a quick one? Uh, my One of my favorite quotes is, whether you think you can or you can't, you're probably right. Henry Ford, um, you have to believe in yourself. Like, you, you, and you fail, big deal, you learn. Like, who cares? Like, you, fall, you fall, you fail, you learn. But then you might actually achieve. And I, so my advice to myself would be like, Angela, you could do so much more. Like, think big, go quicker, go harder. So maybe combine the two, like, chill with like, go for it. Because either way, you're going to win. You're going you're gonna to go for it and fall and be chill about and falling. Chill. There you go. Yo, let me just tell you, talk about being chill about falling. Not, this is irrelevant, but I got to share this story with everybody in this room. My morning started off crappy. Like, I'm on my... Um, I have this scooter, right? And I'm on the scooter, and I'm flying. I'm going like, you know, 18, 20 miles an hour. And this guy coming at me clips me with his city bike. And I go flying eight feet. Oh, and I just made you pop this down morning? and do 10 push-ups. On 6th Avenue. Oh, God. But instinctively i knew like i only, it happened so fast but i just rolled and i ended up rolling do you, you see any scars no scars absolutely no scars uh i have a little bit of a burn on my shoulder but like i don't know the moral of the story but i wanted to share that <laughs> when you, you get clipped on a scooter right back up but i got just all of this sympathy from people chill and roll chill and roll there you go chill roll, and roll. roll get back up chill get and roll, roll. <laughs> I'm done. Last okay, question. last question. Tell us who you are. Oh, hi, my name is Mia. And um, hi, Mia. Yeah, catch. I'm here from uh, well, a women's ball hockey movement in New York City, and yeah. um, I just wanted to talk about what it's like to engage um, women and uh, gender nonconforming folks to participate in sports they might not have thought of uh, participating in. Um, we have several people, including myself, who started as a person of a of a certain vintage. I wasn't a child, um, and I just really took to it. But any kind of words would be helpful, thanks. You guys got anything? I mean, my advice is for, like, everyone is just to be active for life, and who cares? Sports, sometimes I, I don't like sports, because it denotes, like, you have to be an Olympic athlete. No, you don't. That's like a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction. We have to be active for life. That Sports is about learning about yourself, working in a team. I say life is a team sport. I learn everything from playing sports and figuring out how to fail and get back up and go. And then not to mention the, the health benefits. So good for you for picking up a ball and playing a new sport and putting yourself out there because I hope my dream is that people... Why I love Title IX it's, and what the WSF does, it's about equality of access and opportunity and getting everyone the right to play because I hope we, we create a society where everyone can play until they're run six miles until they're Phaedra's mom's age. Like, well, this is the thing. Because they love it. She started doing it when she was in her 40s, right? And she's, I, she was up here probably a couple months ago 
And I watch her. I watch her. I'm watching her run, and I'm like, "You're running a. You're like a six um, a mile six point. What is it? Six miles an hour pace? Like that's kind of crazy for seven. You kick my butt right now, right? But you know, it's also you said it. Like it's sport is awesome, but movement is life, and it doesn't matter what your age is. Right. You could have never I mean, you could literally be on a cane right now and there's still an opportunity because the body is made of cells and they can constantly be rehabbed. I'm learning this about myself. I'm doing this. What I'm, you know, trying setting out to do with MMA, no one's ever done. Right. And hey, I may not make it, but I'm going to, you know, do everything I can to get there. But the things that I can do now um, most people would deem impossible, right? But it's knowing and it's, 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 it's just doing it, right? It's trying it and doing it and learning and failing and then coming into contact with other resources that can, you know, help whatever, revitalize or whatever. But on the movement end, like, it's a wonderful thing. And you're never, as long as you, again, have life in your, your lungs and breath in your lungs and life in your body. Isn't that what Billy says? If you can breathe, you're an athlete. Right. You've heard that, right? right? And I mean, we live in a society that says to our kids, like you, you've got to play division one. Right. I mean, this is, this is what they're wired and thinking. I'm going through this right now with my 13 and 15 year olds. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I just want you playing at the end. Right. And so that, that message is something we all should be giving of that. Yeah. There's so many different layers and levels to it. You don't have to be an Olympic athlete. You don't have to be playing at the D one level. And, and yet that's lost, I think, a lot in, in the discussion. So I appreciate you bringing this up because I do think it's a really important one where we should just be enjoying the fact that we're out there sweating together. Can I, can I add one fact? Yeah. Norway has the highest... Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was about to... I was about to compliment Nor Norway's That's a trigger word for Julie. Trigger! This country in the, you know, Scandinavia. Did I even make my point now? I'm getting evil. Country to, to remain nameless. Go on. Sorry. On the winter medal count, not the summer. They have the highest per capita medal count of any country in the world. They're tiny. Why? At they're, they don't keep score up until like 12. Literally every child has the opportunity, government funded, to play sports. In the U.S. system, we rely on parents. There's a social economic difference. We're cutting P.E. in schools. Kids aren't getting the right to play. They're not developing the love of sport. And so it's both the opportunity and how, again, I, I have two young boys. I don't want them to feel like they have to be an Olympic athlete. I just want them to move. I want them to get out there. Norway ensures they just get out there and play and then at some point they go elite versus just you know kind of casual but it, i think part of their success in my is this they've developed a love to move and to play and then and by the way their obesity is really low their health their whole health care system is better so again i try to look outside of the state sometimes too to like what yeah. else could we be doing yeah. um so sorry to mention that country <laughs> but it's just, I thought it was going to be helpful, Julie. Sorry. Uh-oh. My bad. I love that you all were with me on it. They were like, and. I was like, oh, I didn't know I did it. What Sorry, are you Sorry, Patty. I love you, girl, but, you know. Um, thank you all for spending your Friday night with us. So, 
so appreciate our dope village. Thank you again. A big round of applause, please, for Phaedra and Ange Ruggiero. Let's go. Let's go chill and roll in New York. Chill City. and roll. Chill and roll. Let's go. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one.